Welcome to the Activist Insight podcast, which takes you through the top shareholder activism stories as told by Activist Insight Monthly. Your monthly magazine for December is out now and profiles the most prolific law and proxy solicitation firms this year before revealing the results of the Activist Insight Advisor Awards 2020. Subscribers can download their issue now by visiting our website. We also delve into how activists can no longer sit back and watch how the drama unfolds when it comes to media companies, whether the rewards of taking a new short in a large cap are worth the risk, after Jim Chanos revealed a new bet against international business machines, and how Democrats winning the White House likely means a boost for environmental, social and governance investing, otherwise known as ESG. Elsewhere in the magazine, we detail why Discovery's slow adaptation to massive changes in the media sector has made it an attractive target for activists, and how few are as specialised as Saba Capital when it comes to activism at publicly traded closed-end funds. Joining me today is the magazine's editor, Jason Booth. Welcome, Jason. Thank you for having me. So Jason, this is quite an exciting addition with a countdown of the most prolific law and proxy solicitation firms. But what makes a prolific law firm? Well, in the case of activist investment, I would say it's reputation and connections in the industry itself. Activism is a relatively narrow field. So there are certain law firms that have some specialists in this industry for quite a long time and as a result tend to find themselves at the top of the leagues. Also, in this industry, there tends to be a division between the law firms that represent activists and the law firms that represent the companies that are targeted by activists. Now, there are some firms that do both, but others specialize, which tends to be in their benefit when it comes to gaining the most business in this industry. Now, we won't reveal who came first in the 2020 Advisor Awards, but were there any surprises? As far as surprises are concerned, no, there was not a lot of surprises. Usually the same names were kind of dominating the list. I mean, we saw some players move up quite strongly. DF King in the proxy solicitation sector jumped quite a bit, and largely because they did more overseas campaigns, which we've seen an increase in this year versus earlier years. Firms that were working sort of on the international front tended to see a pickup in business. Overall, though, we saw the number of campaigns drop, oh, about 20% in the United States, I would say. So all of the law firms and the advisory firms saw their business drop off to some degree as a result. But things tended to pick up later in the year, which, you know, bodes for a strong 2021. And that's one of the takeaways we got from talking to the various firms, both law firms and proxy advisory firms, is that, you know, this year was very much a period for for kind of waiting and watching and advising on the sides as to companies and activists as to what they might want to do now, but more likely what they want to do next year when the economy returns to a little closer to normal and the appetite for activism will probably pick up, partly because this year there's been a real hesitancy among activists themselves to look like they are being disruptive or holding companies to a higher standard, given that we're in the midst of a pandemic. 
But the expectation is once the pandemic starts to taper off next year or have a vaccine, or we simply just become used to working under the new environment, that activism will pick up. And a lot of these law firms and proxy advisory firms have been gearing up for that. And two of this month's stories look at the cable media industry, one looking at how Netflix is reshaping it, and one how discovery may be vulnerable to activists. So how are the two stories and companies related? Several years ago, you may recall, we had Carl Icahn making a play at Netflix, calling for the company to be sold off. Now, at the time, Netflix was a much smaller company, and its role in the media was more limited. Now, since then, the situation changed kind of dramatically, and Netflix has sort of gotten so large, and it's really beyond the reach of activists in many respects. But the companies that it was competing against were once seen to be immune to activism, such as Disney, Comcast, and Discovery, for example, now facing activists who are saying to these companies, the world has changed, the industry has changed. Companies like Netflix, now joined by Amazon, for example, are really disrupting the traditional media industry. And these companies are are trying to figure out their role in it. And activists are stepping in and advising them what they think they should be doing. We saw that at Disney last year with Third Point, Daniel Loeb's hedge fund, making an investment and calling on ways to improve the company, including giving away some of its content, which is something that Netflix does and Amazon does, seen as a way to boost subscriptions. So in a sense, the activists are telling traditional media companies like Disney that they need to be acting more like some of the digital insurgents that they're facing up against. Now, Discovery Channel is a uh, interesting player in all this because their stock has been down kind of substantially so far this year, and it's been underperforming most of its peers. But it has a lot of great assets. Besides the Discovery Channel, you have the Food Network and the Learning Channel and Animal Planet, which are among the most popular shows on television, according to one survey, both billion subscribers worldwide. So they are a very strong player. But there's just a perception that they are failing to keep up when it comes to some of the digital insurgents we talked about earlier. John Malone, who is the largest owner in this company, he's been buying up more shares and talking about how cheap it is. But given the weakness of the stock and the pressure that some of the other companies in its field have have felt from activists, there's just an expectation that uh, this company, Discovery, could be much more vulnerable to activists over the next few months. And then in ESG Corner, a regular feature of the magazine, we look at what the presidential election in the US may mean for ESG. So what's changed in the last month or so? Well, maybe the simplest way to look at it is, you know, a month ago, we were writing about the Labour Department's proposal to limit pension funds investing based on ESG criteria, which was seen as part of a ongoing campaign by the Trump administration to sort of limit ESG and how it might impact sort of investment in mainline large industries like engineering and energy and oil and the like. But now we have a situation where the new administration coming in, you know, actually um, campaigned on the support of environmental issues, social issues. So the general expectation is that you're going to see a much more favorable arena for environmental and social issues when it comes to investing. Now, how that could impact things that happen on the ground? Well, for example, 
you can see the SEC adopt uh, more ESG-friendly proposals. One thing that's this been talked about was making it clearer what ESG policies pension funds follow when they vote on proxy fights. There's been talk about maybe more transparency when it comes to NPX filings by uh, asset managers that show how they vote during proxy fights. You know, people would be looking more closely as to get a sense of whether funds that claim to be ESG friendly are actually voting in a ESG friendly way. You know, one person was talking about how maybe the SEC should support the creation of an ESG index uh, or an ESG 500, so to speak, to mirror the S&P 500 that would help people who want to invest in more environmentally or ESG friendly companies can do so more easily. And, you know, what does this mean for activists? One of the thoughts is that it's going to be harder for activists to call off for companies to cut costs by laying off staff, for example, or returning money to shareholders that could be used for more socially beneficial purposes. So, you know, activists may have to change their strategies when it comes to uh, approaching companies as to what they want. And certain activists have already embraced the uh, ESG concept and may start using it increasingly as a way to push for change at companies that they see will actually not only help the environment, but will increase shareholder returns as well. So in the still early days, given the Democrats' limited control over the Congress and the lack of control over the Senate, you know, there's only so much that the new administration can do. But the general consensus is that there's just going to be a much more friendly and benevolent view to when it comes to ESG issues, when it comes to investing. And finally, Jason, this is the last magazine of the year. The next will be the annual review out in early 2021. So what can people expect from that? Well, the annual review will be looking back at all the big stories of 2020 and the trends and just how COVID and this year's rather unique um, environment has impacted activism. And also will give us a sense of what to expect in 2021. Obviously, a lot of things that were planned for 2020 may not have been done. So a lot of activists were seen to have held off on campaigns that they might reignite this coming year. And likewise, you know, the new campaigns based on how companies have reacted to COVID and how they're preparing for the future. So, you know, the annual review should be an interesting look at what's happened, but also give us a sense of what's going to be coming down the line. That's it for today's episode. If you like what you hear or want to read more, you can subscribe to Activist Insight Monthly by emailing subscriptions at activistinsight.com. If you want something discussed on a future episode or have a guest in mind, please email press at activistinsight.com and join the conversation by using the hashtag activistinsightpodcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Also, look out for a best-of episode coming out shortly, which has all the highlights of the podcast so far from our Beyond the Boardroom series, where we meet expert guests. Please do rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you are using to help others access our reporting. I'm Kieran Paul. Thank you for listening.